You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, home of the world's best defender, probably. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Well, Stoke City is the answer to that question because Harry Souter so far is nah, the best defender. Nah. We, we've, we've got the second best defender in the world. I'll and take we're, that, we're, I suppose. We're, we're recording. We're recording this prior to Kai Rolls and John Souter's brother Harry coming up against Lionel Messi. So, so right now they're the top two defenders in the world. That, no, that he's passed change. it. He's passed it. Easy back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't, it, hasn't it been great watching the Aussies do well, especially Kai Rolls? It's been it's, it's like, it's like a proud parent. That's my boy. Look well, how with, well he's doing. <laughs> with no Scotland there, I'm sure there are many people in this country who are um, yeah. who are now feeling very Australian, especially Hearts fans, who of course have three yeah. players uh, with the Australian national team. And we've got plenty of links with the Aussies before. There was another Hearts player that appeared at the World Cup after he left the club at some point, but... His name eludes me just now. It'll come to me at some point. <laughs> never, never heard it been spoken about since. So. How the hell is? I mean, good on him, Jason Cummings. To be Jason Cummings, no matter whatever he does in his life, I played at a World Cup. Even if he never gets on again, he came on in the first. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, the same I, as well. I play, yeah, I played at a World Cup. It's a heck of a. Lot. I mean, there's some of the players that never, never Ian Rush never played at a World Cup. Jason Cummings has. Good it's on. crazy. It's funny. But there you go. That's um, that's 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 life, isn't it? Them's the breaks. <laughs> uh, we will talk about uh, Kai Rolls um, a little bit later on. We've had a few messages from people who've been watching him at the World Cup and their thoughts on uh, how much he could be worth for Hearts. So we're going to talk about the Scottish million, Cup draw. Million. Yeah, just uh, just add as many zeros as you like. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about the Scottish Cup draw, of course. A Big draw for Hearts in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup, indeed. Um, we'll maybe touch on Hearts' current training camp, which is over in the Costa del Sol, before they get back to match action in a couple of weeks. Um, before we get stuck into the uh, main items of this week's episode, I thought it'd be good just to touch on the uh, derby that took place at the weekend just past, of course, the women's Enjoyed that derby. Game, Laura, yeah. yeah, a record-breaking crowd. Not quite as many as we as we hope not quite as many as tickets had been issued out, but it's always a risk when tickets don't cost anything. There's no um, monetary value attached to them. You're never going to maybe get as many people turn up as if they had purchased them. But 
a healthy 8,000 plus, which broke the record, comfortably broke the previous SWPL record, which was 5,500 from last season. So a really good crowd there. And um, you know, from my perspective, it was I, I find it actually very enjoyable as a, a spectacle. I mean, partly as a, because, as a Gorgi Ultra. Yeah, I was standing right, right next to them. You know, I'm, I, I don't think they take me on as a as a Gorgi Ultra yet, but um, I was standing next <laughs> to them. I was joining in in some of the songs, and I thought it really added to the atmosphere. Obviously, it's sometimes hard to tell when you're watching, obviously at home. And I know, you know, sound sometimes, especially the BBC, they have a tendency sometimes not to have pitch side mics maybe as loud as you would like because I think sometimes then they pick up things that they don't want you to pick up Um, but the away end certainly it was a terrific atmosphere and uh, I thought from from start to finish one thing that was evident was just how much they add to a game because this was a derby that you know traditionally wouldn't have an awful lot of interest from a lot of fans of either side you know, a lot of people would maybe sideswerve it and the atmosphere would be a little bit more of a kind of friendly type of game. Um, people who maybe don't traditionally go to the football or those who do come maybe aren't as invested as they are if it's the men's team playing. But I thought it really added an, an edge to the atmosphere uh, with the, the Gorgie Ultras singing right behind the goal, making themselves heard. Um, our our guest from, from last week, the Hearts captain, had her name sung as well. Hope she, I hope she heard that. Um, I think they, they put Georgia Hunter into a song that I think it's Stephen Kingsley one they used it in, which was good. Uh, Scotland's number one was getting sung at uh, our sponsored player Charlotte Parker Smith. How she did good was Charlotte, by the way. Yeah, she did hear that. I messaged her afterwards, and she said I heard that from behind the goal after a couple of her saves. Scotland's number one was ringing out. She appreciated that. So yeah, I thought she had a good game uh, during the ninety minutes. Kept hearts in it uh, and in terms of the game itself I mean I have to say I, I said afterwards I thought Hibs were the better side to be honest I mean hearts are above Hibs and it's a big point for them because it keeps them four points above them in the table but I thought Hibs still looked the better side than hearts I think hearts have lost five in a row they came into the second half but I, I thought it was reasonably watchable from a game I know the women's game gets a lot of stick from some quarters and it's you, it's you can't compare it to professional men's football yet at this stage it's still way you know there's still a lot of development to be done but i've certainly seen far worse men's games i've been at in terms of entertainment value yeah don't compare it it's like comparing football and rugby it's 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 kind of like two different sports because the women play how the women play and the men play how the men play they, they should yeah. not really be be compared it's I mean, you stick Serena Williams um, in her prime on a, on a on a tennis court; she's going to get thumped by by most of the top one hundred. That that's just that's human nature. Take it for what it is. It was an enjoyable game. There's a fair bit of skill on show as well. I thought Charlotte Parker Smith was was outstanding, and I really enjoyed the the game. Um, Hibs will probably come away from that thinking, well, the point was the least that they probably deserved. I thought some of our defending. At times, we gave them too much space. But I thought we had other chances as well that, that we could have gone maybe further ahead. So I thought it was a very watchable game. I, I think it'll do the girls the, the power of good to having experienced now going to Easter Road, probably with a favourites tag, given the start of the season that they've made. And did they live up to the favourites tag? Eh, I'm not sure. But I think going forward, that's going to be a huge help. 
because they know what it feels like, the things they did right, the things they did wrong. I haven't seen enough of, of the women's game this season. Uh, I've watched Hearts a couple of times, um, so I'm not going to profess to be any kind of expert, but the results so far suggest that if they can finish outside the top three as best of the rest, that, that that's a really impressive season. Hibs are obviously a decent team. I mean, they've got a couple of Scotland internationals um, who play for them. So it, I, I thought a, a point is always a, a better result for the team that go a goal down. But I thought Charlotte was was really, really good. I'm just looking at the, the, the women's national team squad. Um, Lee Gibson of Glasgow City, uh, 42 caps. The, Scotland's number one, but she's 31. So she's probably still going to go on a fair bit yet. So the players that we're kind of looking at for Charlotte to challenge, Jenna Fife from Rangers, Eartha Cummings from Liverpool, and another Glasgow City player, Erin Clackers. Now, in Glasgow City, you've got two goalkeepers in the national team squad. Only one of them's ever going to play for the, the club side at once. So hopefully there's a chance. I mean, this was the squad for the game against Panama and um, Venezuela. Now, the Panama game was an under-23 game. On the whole, five players um, over the age of 23 could be added. So for Charlotte, I think there's a... If she continues that form, I'll be really surprised if she's not called up into the national team squad. And who knows? I mean... I was impressed by by one or two of the other players as well. It, it's a it's a good point in the end, given how the way that the game transpired. But it's a frustrating point knowing that we were a goal up. Yeah, and one thing uh, I, now, obviously, there was money behind the game. Bailey Gifford helped make it a free match. They advertise it as this Capital Cup, trying give it a bit more edge. I think that will. You know, there will be a Capital Cup in the future as well. Um, although I knew it was a Capital Cup, I have to say it was getting towards the end. I wasn't entirely sure what was going to happen with it being a draw, if it was a case that they just wouldn't get awarded because there was no winner. A few people, I know towards the end, were already starting to head for the exits before the game. A few people were going, wait, is this a cup game? And I was trying to tell people it is. I think there will be something to decide the winner. That's why I was messaging you. And at the end, at full time, there was a little bit of, confusion i have to say and it's not because hibs ended up winning the penalty shootout but it felt like it devalued it a little bit that you kind of tagged this penalty shootout onto the end Um, so uh, yeah they tried something my my feelings would be that kind of may trivialize things a little bit i thought to chuck a penalty shootout at the end, well, but, how, how else? How else are you going to decide the the, the, the winners of the? the yeah, of I the, just think maybe. Yeah, I think maybe kind of combining the two things into one just doesn't really work. I, I wasn't entirely sure about it before, but yeah, it's a bit. It's about educating people. It's about it, anyone who went there should have known in advance because they saw. I knew it was Captain Cup. Were... I just forgot at the end that wait, if it's a draw. I should have checked yeah, well, that, obviously. But <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't a go, this isn't a go at any of the fans. This is everyone who was there should have known in advance, not through them, but having been told. Um, I thought the publicity in the lead up was excellent. Uh, I saw uh, Eva on Sky. Obviously, the captain and the head coach were on our podcast. There was a lot of press in the build up as well. Th- this this is about growing the game. Now, when you grow something, there's bound to be mistakes going forward. So it's about identifying the mistakes and rectifying them and making sure that they don't happen again. One of those mistakes might have been that everyone in attendance, or the majority of, probably weren't aware of what happened if the game ended in a tie. They 
should have been told in advance. I mean, I don't know if there's something to give out, or sure, surely the Tannoy announcer. Um, should, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, know how they to... they said something, and again, that was like weird things. Like, I'm pretty sure he confirmed over the Tannoy that penalties would be decided at the um, at the Hibs end, but that wasn't. Because I could, a few fans in Hearts have gone, oh, it's penalties, right? Okay, well, hopefully win the toss so we can get them at this side. But then I was like, no, I think he just said that it's already decided that they they won't do it at this side, which again was a bit. I don't know. It's I know what you mean it's just trying things. I, my view would be, it would actually be beneficial to not try and tie two things into one game like that, kind yeah, of but almost. If you, but if you, but, if you don't yeah. have another place to do it, then when else are you going to do it? I don't mind it. I just think that okay. the people there should have been made more aware of what was happening, and and, and let's blame Hibs for that. Let, let's, <laughs> it's let's not. It's just. Happening. It's one of those. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, it is. It's, it's, it's fine. It was a good. It means experience. it means everyone's a winner because Hearts can just focus on the fact they got a big point to stay four points clear, and Hibs can focus on the fact that they got a, a uh, week up at the end of yeah. it. So everyone's a winner. Um, exactly. Before we move on, I guess the other little bit of news. It's probably not going to get a segment of its own at this stage because at the time of recording. It is simply an internet rumour, as far as we're aware, um, which is it's gathering some pace, but that doesn't mean anything, really, when it comes to internet rumours. Callum Patterson. Um, ah, Dr. Funk. Dr. Funk, a, a very popular player um, at Hearts and for Cardiff City and for Sheffield Wednesday, a Scotland International, and someone who enjoyed Edinburgh Derby's very much himself. <laughs> uh, it's currently been rumoured that he's coming back to Hearts. Now, I have no idea if there's any um, trustworthy source in this because everything I'm seeing is just people on kickback and Twitter saying, oh, Callum Harrison might be coming back. So God knows when it started. Um, but it's it's an interesting rumour whether it's mm-hmm. got any um, value or not, isn't it? Yes. A player that can play both as a, a, a right back, right wing back, and and as a striker. Two <laughs> areas both. That you need to say as a as a right back, play. as a right wing back, as a central midfielder, as a striker. Because he, <laughs> he played central midfield for Cardiff quite a lot, didn't he? he did. As well, I watched an interview with him that he did with I think it was BBC Radio West Midlands or what do you mean West Midlands? Whatever. Um, and he did one with with um, a radio station in Sheffield as well. When he was asked the question, where, where's Callum Patterson's best position? And he said he didn't know. Um, he said that's that's up for others to decide. But he did say that being a jack of all trades and possibly a master of none has been a hindrance yeah. for him. He also said he, he does not enjoy um, watching from the sidelines, of which he's had to do quite a lot. Let's put the facts that we know on the table to go along with the rumours that we've heard. Callum Patterson is 28 years old, has six months left on his Sheffield Wednesday contract. His wages were significantly uh, increased when he went to Cardiff and then significantly decreased when Sheffield United dropped from the championship Wednesday. through to Sheffield Wednesday, I'm sorry, dropped from the championship to um, League One. Yep. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, he's been there since 2020. Was he there when they played in the championship? Yes, he yes, was. Yes, he played one season when they went down, yeah. He, he did, the first season. Um, and like everybody, you're unless you've got a really good agent who manages to keep you on the same wages, if you're a championship player and your side goes down to League One, there are a lot of clauses and a lot of contracts that stipulate that uh, your wages are commensurate with the league that you're you're playing in. League One 
wages are nowhere near as good as championship wages. Bottom line is, he hasn't been offered a new contract yet. He's out of contract in the summer. He's settled in Sheffield, but he's pissed off that he's not playing enough games. Darren Moore, the coach, in an interview with the local paper, said he hopes to get Callum more game time over the next few weeks and months. Until then, it remains to be seen. If he is offered a new contract, would he sign it if he was? Or does he want to move and get more regular game time? He's a player I'd like to see back at Tyne Castle. As a squad player, I think he's someone that would have to prove that that he deserves... He's not just going to walk into to, to that side. I don't think anybody deserves to walk into the hard side. I think you have to prove that you belong in there. Um, but he's someone that, by all accounts, is good around the place. He's, he's fun to be around. Um, he's got a great rapport with, with the supporters at Tyne Castle. And I, I think it makes sense, as long as he's not wanting ridiculous wages. Would I make him one of the top earners? No, I wouldn't, because I'm not bringing him in as a key player. But if a deal could be struck, I'd be willing to do something. Um, I'm sure there'd be other players, or sorry, other clubs that, that are interested. But yeah. I, I liked the rumour. It got me excited. I'd take him back. Would you? Oh, Absolutely. I thought he was a terrific player for for Hearts, and like you say, he's got he's a character, he's a positive influence around the dressing room. You can see that, and I mean, he's only twenty eight, um, and uh, even I mean, you look at it, not only the fact I know he's been in League One for just over for what a season and a half now, but yeah, two years in the Championship prior to that, three overall in the Championship with Cardiff, and he spent a season in the in the top flight in England, and he played twenty seven. I'm just having a look. Played yeah. 27 league games, four goals in the English Premier League. That was only three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the the positional thing is interesting because I always really liked him as a right-back um, because he, and it worked at the time with the way we played, he bombed up and down. We almost didn't... We, we almost played in the championship. Yeah, we played quite lopsided at times because we let him cover yeah, two sides. Yeah. I, I didn't mind him in the in the top flight. And in fact, you know, if we play the 3-4-3... Three, three, I'd like to see him wide right in that. That's yeah. ideal for him because... Mm. His height and his power was interesting yes. as well because you could use him as like that wide target man when you play goal kicks or diagonals, yes. where he could actually win headers from the from the um, from the side quite often from the wing, as well as getting up and down. His crossing really improved before he left Hearts, um, but he can he can play covered other positions, and I think I think Robbie Nielsen likes that, especially in his, his current team. He likes players that he can shift around. So I'd be I'd definitely be. Up for that, and I mean, you know what? They're on the right hand side. I mean, you, you know, I know, I know Natty Atkinson's at the World Cup, but we, we've spoken about it before. We're still not entirely convinced by him long term, especially defensively. And I know you might say that, well, maybe that was Patterson's downside as well, was he was great going forward, not always the best going back. But if you are talking about the right hand side, especially if we're playing wing backs, I mean, what options do we have just now? Because Michael Smith, will we get much more out of Michael Smith? I don't think we will. Um, so, no, that Mike, Mike, Michael Smith is like the squeezed orange. Yeah, which you've got most of <laughs> it. Just coming a little out, bit yeah. left. Yeah, but there's there's still from time to time there's still there's still some some juice in there. Question for you, straight up, in that wide right formation in a back three and then four in the middle. So wide right of the midfield four, you choose between Natty Atkinson and Callum Patterson. Who are you choosing? Patterson. Hundred percent. I'm gonna. What I'm, if I'm Hearts? I'm. I'm. Um, I'm putting the feelers out. And oh, hey, you want to buy a World Cup player? 
Now, okay, played in the first game and like any right back would have done regarding, <laughs> regardless of experience, had his arse felt by Kylian Mbappe. But you know what? He's in the World Cup squad. He's, he, he, apart prior to his injury, um, I don't know if he would have started the second game. But if I'm Hearts, I'm trying to strike while the iron's hot. I'm trying to sell Nat- Natty Atkinson. I'm trying to get, I don't know, can we get a couple of mil for him? Is anyone going to pay that? I don't know. Would you take a million and a half for Natty Atkinson right now? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Although, I, I, it's like you, I do find it funny. I saw lots of um, mainly Hibs fans, you know, ripping the piss out of It's like, you're, um, whatever I think of Natty Atkinson, it's like, you can't, you can't be slacking you can't him. Because you can't touch him against the Killian Mbappe <laughs> tore him apart. It's like, I mean, you know. Torn everybody apart. Hib- Hibs looked a disaster at the back against bloody Ross County. Uh, you know, Jan Dander tearing Hibs apart. I mean, there's no, you can't really compare. I mean, no. whether whether Natty Atkinson was a fantastic Scottish Premiership player or not, he's probably going to get torn apart by Kylian Mbappe. Um, but but look, know, at I, Nye, look at what Natty Atkinson um, has, has done since he came to Hearts. It took him a little bit of time to get settled. He, he got injured, but he's he's done he's done all right. There was it, it, at first he kind of thought, ooh, but but then he, he kind of picked up his performance. He he got into the national team squad. He made the right back position his own. I am not sure how far off the glass ceiling Natty Atkinson is right now, and I'm also not sure what his best position is because I don't think it's at right back. I don't mind them as a, a right wing back or on the right-hand side of a, a kind of midfield four. I know we tried that at, at Ibrox. Um, so I just wonder if Hearts, behind the scenes, try and yeah. strike while the iron is hot and see if there's any interested parties out there. And if you can get a seven-figure, maybe a million and a half, a couple of million for Natty Atkinson, I, th- I, I think you, you sell them on. Because that's what Hearts are about. They're about buying yeah. someone from somewhere um, giving them a platform, letting them produce, and then try and sell them for five, ten times as much as as they paid for them. That's what business is is all about. So, if that meant Callum Patterson coming in, I think that's a win win all round. Yeah, and Natty Atkinson will be twenty four um, come oh, the end age. of this season, yeah, so age. still still young. But like you say, will he get? significantly better that's i suppose the the challenge um but anyway uh, yeah callum patterson will be interesting by the time you listen to this it might be completely written off as a nonsense rumor it maybe something's come of it but at the time of recording it is just one that's doing the rounds online but certainly um i think we'd be open to to dr funk to see pat's coming back to tincastle Okay, you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, the big cup draw for the Scottish Cup fourth round took place at the start of this week. The draw which sees all the Premiership teams added into the hat. And lo and behold... Hibernian and Heart of Midlothian drawn together again. This is for the fourth round, so this will be weekend of Saturday or Sunday, the 21st, 22nd of January. It will take place at Easter Road. And it's not really a surprise, as much as maybe it once was when Hearts and Hibs draw each other in the cup. Interesting, Mark, I was looking at the looking down the years and uh, between 1913 and 1993 an 80 year period 
there were seven Scottish Cup meetings. So not including replays, seven meetings, seven draws between the side. They were drawn together seven times. So less than one every 11 years over that period. We've now had 10 in the last 17 years. Um, <laughs> when it reaches January, of course, and the next one gets played. It's less than two years between each one at the moment. Or, or another way to frame it, um, for the first half of my life so far, we were drawn against Hibs once in the Scottish Cup. Um, in the second half of my life thus far, hopefully there's a few more years to come, um, we've been drawn against them 10 times, which is is kind of crazy to see, isn't it? It's one of these oddities about um, kind of spells you get in cups where you just don't meet anyone for certain periods and then some teams you just seem to get all the time. Speaking of oddities, only twice have the same managers in opposing dugouts faced each other in the following game? There's your quiz question. Who would they be? So which managers have gone head-to-head twice in those 10 games rather than just once? Um, It'll be Robbie Nielsen for Hearts. Um, uh, Was it... Lennon? Nope. Robbie Nielsen never faced Neil Lennon. Oh, he'd already gone by that point. He um, had. Robbie had, yep. Yeah, Robbie had gone, sorry. And then when Robbie came back, Neil had gone. Yes. I was just so you're right, of... you're right with Robbie. Uh, it'll be Stubbs then, will it? Yep. So Robbie Nielsen and Alan Stubbs um, in the fifth round, when obviously we were 2-0 uh, up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that so that was the, the replay that they met. And what about the other one? Again, draw followed by replay. So uh well we did it two years in a row, we drew it home and yep. then lost. Yeah, so, so well, who, was nil, nil. who was the other one? Who's the other manager? Who, who who were the other Robbie Nielsen and Alan Stubbs is one pairing. So who was the other opposing managers in the dugout? For that next pairing, the year after. Oh, Catherine Lennon the next year, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So, as far as sorry, ties are I, concerned... You, you were meaning individual games, sorry. I, yeah. Yeah, as far as sorry, ties yeah, are okay. concerned, we've never had the same right. um, okay. pairing. Of so, I, was, I thought you meant there was, like, th- between ties rather than... Okay, okay. No, sorry. Um, so, isn't that weird? In, in all the games that we've played since 2006, there's never been the same pairing in... Two no, that is, yeah. Ties. I mean, that you've got Valdas against Tony Mowbray in the semi-final at Hamden. You've got Chaba Laszlo against Patalainen in 2009 in the fourth round that we won 2-0 at Easter Road. You've got Paolo Sergio and Pat Fenlon in the cup final. John yeah. McGlynn and Pat Fenlon the next time out at Easter Road. Robbie Nielsen and Alan Stubbs when they won after a replay. Ian Cathro and Neil Lennon when they won after a replay. Craig Levine and Neil Lennon when we won 1-0, Don Cowie. Robbie Nielsen, his second spell, and Jack Ross, and then Robbie Nielsen's second spell, and Sean Maloney. That's quite incredible, isn't it? And what's it going to be this time? It's going to be a different one again. Robbie Nielsen and... Well, Well, but will it be? Maybe Willie Johnson. Will will he still be in position? Maybe. There's a fair fair bit of talk. He might not be. Imagine it was was appearing. Who would come back? Which of those managers you listed would come back to... (laughs) To whose face Robbie Nielsen before? So what would be Stubbs Maloney's not going to Mowbray. Mowbray. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a huge, 
a huge draw, and it's it's one of those where I, I think Hibs were probably the team that didn't want it as much. But it's still, you know, as cup draws go, if you take the Derby element out of it, you're playing away to another Premiership side, so it's not an ideal draw. You know, considering all the other teams that you could have got, you could have got a non-league side. Oh God, well, that didn't go so well for us one season recently, though. Um, but it does add an interesting January because obviously Hearts will play the league game at Tyne Castle, and then Derby um, bragging rights will be up for grabs again a couple of weeks after in a big cup game. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to look back at some of the recent Easter Road meetings, actually. Yeah, just, sorry, Laurie, just just before you yeah. do, if you if it wasn't Rangers or Celtic away. I wouldn't. I don't mind Hibs away from home. If it had to be a Premier League side away from home, I'd yeah. much rather go to Easter Road than Fir Park, Pitodre, even Especially Rugby right Park, now. Tannadice. Yeah, right, right now. Um, I mean, we're the favourites. We'll have to carry that tag. But if it was going to be a Premier League side away from home, I think there's a lot worse ones we could have had than than going absolutely. To Easter Road. And and you know what? I was I was thinking about this. I don't know. I might actually prefer to play them at Easter Road than at Tyne Castle right now. Because is the record that the home side in an Edinburgh derby hasn't won forever? It seems... Uh, well, until still. until last season when we won 3-1. Until, until last season when we won 3-1. But, yeah, um, so I, 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 don't, I don't mind it whatsoever going to Easter Road. And, and it's it's a double blow, isn't it? Because the winner not only goes through to the next round, but they stop their big rivals from doing so as well. Don't have to worry about who they're going to get in the next round if, if you beat them. So good draw for me. Could have been a lot better, of course, but from a Premier League side away from home, happy enough with that. Yeah, I'll quickly get some reaction, actually. A few people tweeted us. Um, someone who's called Robert Nielsen, or his handle, uh, his handle's actually Pafos16, but goes by Robert Nielsen, says, money spinner for Robbie, who will be pleased. Um, he'll never live that down, will he? Doesn't matter. Doesn't mm. matter what happens in the future. Uh, Nori Work says would have preferred a home tie but it's the cup tie of the round and expect the game to be live on TV with a different kickoff time or day um, Jamie says I wanted an away day but you know kind of hoped it would be one that I could get a ticket to um, Catch 22 says sorry that Lee Johnson has lost his job already two derby losses in a month and he's got to go I don't make the rules um, <laughs> I mean if he's under pressure and if he loses oh, at Tynecastle, I mean he's under pressure already. But if he's even more under pressure, I do hope he doesn't go just before it because I always hate that. Because um, your teams always have a little reaction yeah. when a manager goes. So I hope if the pressure is mounting even further that he survives. Let us put the final nail. In yeah, and not at Tynecastle. Keep him into the the Easter Road game because I will be. It will make me slightly nervous if we pump him at Tynecastle. He goes. And then they get someone else in because then you've got a little bit more of a, um, a bit harder to judge exactly what will happen with either a new boss or a interim boss. Because um, Ali actually says, Alistair Dobby says, depends on whether Lee is in charge, uh, to be honest. It'll be fun beating them regardless, but even more fun if he's still their manager. Uh, Brian Reynolds says, a Shankland penalty in the 99th minute. Uh, ball caps and bag bagpipes is looking forward to battering them in their own house. Uh, Talking tiny podcast says they are complete horseshit, but a derby is a derby. No boil is a bitter blow for them, and we'll have everything. Yep, and we'll have everyone available can see us pumping them. Oh, don't. Yeah, I know. I never like feeling that. Um, is there not a game that we we won? I don't know, maybe scored the winner. 
Um, was was that, that's when they were celebrating the League Cup win. Yeah, it? there was a period where the team who were the underdogs did really, really well. And it was like, you don't want to be the favourites in an Edinburgh derby because the favourites really won. I'm not sure if that's the case now, but um, yeah, I, I think between Hearts and Heads fans, the, the majority that are going to be happier are probably going to be Hearts fans, but that, strange things can happen. And I think the um, the, the, the league game um, is, a, is a marker and we need to be able to, yeah. to put down and, uh, and, and get all three points. Indeed. Well, let's have a look back. So there's been three Easter Road Cup draws um, uh, since the spell I mentioned, that 80-year spell when there was only seven Scottish Cup meetings between the sides. So from 1994 um, up until now, there's been now there have been Easter Road games, but they were replays. So the three Easter Road Cup draws before this one starts. Um, in 1994, so the game hmm. itself... It was 20th of February 1994, Scottish Cup, fourth round. Now, Mark Hartz went into this game undefeated in 20 derbies. 2-0, yep. 20 derbies. However, Hibs were fourth in the league, only three points off second. Hearts were 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a time, wasn't it? Now, I'll get your feelings on it more from a who someone who was there because although I was alive I wasn't really interested in football at that point I was still uh, was I seven at that point um but what was it, it was it just a time where hearts just expected it didn't matter where the teams were in the league hearts just expected that they would get a result against hips yeah I remember just funny how you remember certain things about certain games that game was live on on BBC it was a a Sunday afternoon kickoff at five past three. And it was live on BBC. And I'm pretty sure Derek Johnson, uh, now of Radio Clyde, former Rangers striker who scored against us in '76 before three o'clock, was in the uh, the little studio, which was the the makeshift studio right up the back to the right hand side behind the goal. And I remember watching it back afterwards and seeing a key, um, basically key to the the door, twenty first. So someone had put a key. Um, don't know if it was silver or whatever, maroon or, or whatever. So that I remember. Um, I remember as well us going ahead early doors in the first five minutes with with Robbo. And, and you're right, it didn't really matter where Hibs and Hearts were in the league at the time because you go 20 unbeaten against anybody, then you're going to be confident. You could be bottom of the table and they could be top of the table. But if you're 20 games unbeaten, that's easy to use. And Sandy Clark used that pretty well in that game. But I'm not... <laughs> I remember a fair bit about the game. I, I remember thinking before Wayne Foster scored with three minutes to go to put us ahead, I would gladly take a replay at Tynecastle because we were under the cosh. Keith Wright had equalised three minutes from half time, and in the second half, Hibs were the better team, and we'll probably feel they should have been ahead. But it was Gary Mackay that that played the long through ball and um, the, the the easy line is that Wayne Foster nutmegged Jim Layton who had his legs closed. <laughs> at the time. Um, but just the, the scenes and everybody's got, got different memories of, of goals that they really loved celebrating. That is probably one of the most excited. I think I was 17 at the time. No, 16. I was about to turn 17. And the whole end went, I mean, you could move around. Well, it was terracing. You, we were packed like sardines in there, but it wasn't like you were restricted to your seat. And it was just a, a sea of joy 
scenes in the away end of absolute joy when Wayne Foster scored. And it was like, yeah, just you just had you had that over him. I think it was who was it that scored? Was it Brian Hamilton that eventually scored the goal? No, Gordon Hunter, my bad. Gordon Hunter eventually scored the goal that got them the win at Tynecastle um, to ensure it wasn't any more than 22 in a row. But yeah, that was number 21 and um, 21,000 inside Easter Road that day. But that away end, I'm not sure you could have got another another 100 people in there. It was just joyous. Yeah, I've got um, Mike Aitken's uh, piece in the Scotsman after the game, which is headlined, Cruelest Loss Yet for Tormented Hibs. Oh. And um, I won't read the whole thing, but just the, the opening paragraph is uh, how much longer will the anguish last <laughs> five years have elapsed and Hibs are still without a win over hearts 21 games and more than 31 hours of football Hibs are as jinxed as the victims of a witch's curse Which, um, it's very That's satisfying to see and Wayne Foss is one of these um, the one of the real definitions of a, a cult hero isn't he because that yeah. moment is just an iconic Hearts moment, an iconic Hearts goal. His name still gets sung to this day. Um, And he wasn't someone who was uh, beyond that, not someone who would be, I suppose, an overly memorable Hearts former player, to say the least. A hard worker, fast. In the recent game against RFS, um, pals and I were in the Gorgie suite before the game and we were chatting to, Ian Mercer and I were chatting to Henry Smith and, and Henry's mentioned it before, he mentioned it on our on our podcast when he joined that Wayne, Wayne Foster doesn't seek publicity. No. I think he would be one of the hardest guests to to try and get on because he doesn't weirdly, according to Henry, he doesn't want to be remembered for that one thing. But he will be. Yep. I mean he was he was he was a he was a journeyman pro, lovely guy, but he was a journeyman. And I mean if that's me, I've got my own range of t shirts, I've got have copyrighted slogans and all sorts and to to try and um, to try and make a brand um, on doing that because, I mean, he'll forever be a cult hero among Hearts fans. But it's funny how the, the phrase no diagrams on a scorecard when it's golf, a, a par's a par regardless of how you how you get it. And, and that second half, we were getting absolutely pumped. It was wave upon wave of, of pressure. It's always nice to watch a game like that back, watch the highlights on Amoruso lets it run or, or whatever. And you know the outcome, because if you didn't, we were like, just blow the whistle. But we got there in the end. That's up there with one of the best moments of being a, a Hearts fan. Just from a pure experience following a goal. I love that. Foster against Jim Weir is such a good central defender. Here's Foster, using his pace, a chance to win the game for Hearts. He's done it! It's Wayne Foster's first goal of the season! And it surely won the tie for Hearts. Indeed, so that was Hearts progressing with two goals to one, thanks to Wayne Foster's late goal. That was the first Scottish Cup tie between the sides since 1979. Um, There would be another Scottish Cup game, of course, between the sides in 2006. But the next game at Easter Road, again, came in the fourth round on the 11th of January 2009. Um... Now, Hearts go into this game in fourth, Hibs five behind in sixth. Uh, Shabba Lazlo in charge of Hearts at the time. So it wasn't generally an overly exciting Hearts team to watch. Well, we I shall say. We're talking about the, 
I thought you were talking about the game. The game was utter mince. Um, the game as well, yes. Uh, Mixu Patalainen was Hibs' boss. Uh, first two derbies under Shabalaz, so probably no surprise, had ended in draws. It was a season of a few draws and some very narrow wins for Hearts. But um, Craig Thompson was a referee, incidentally. <laughs> Yay, Hibs' favourite referee. And he sent off Stephen Fletcher on the half-hour mark, which certainly, um, certainly assisted Hearts. In oh, this game. It was a reckless challenge, wasn't it, on Vera? It was, although I did like the line afterwards uh, Afterwards, from Mixu Pataline, and he accuses Bera of jumping like a brown trout. Not <laughs> any other trout, those brown ones. Exactly, jumping. Very, not jumping like a fish, jumping like a brown trout. Very, <laughs> very specific with his, his, uh, his fish knowledge there. Yeah, I know, I know, my, I know my fish jumping. Do, do, do brown trouts jump? Salmon jump, don't they? But salmon leap, leap. Oh, oh, sorry, salmon leap. But um, do trout brown? Got to be brown. Do trout jump? Um, Trout can easily jump and clear small obstacles. Continue on their up. Okay, so they do. That's fine. Now, do brown trout jump better than other coloured trout? (laughs) Important. We get to the bottom of this because this this episode is going to be called. Um, coloured trout or jumping brown trout or something. These fish can often be seen jumping out of the water to catch their prey. Oh, wow! See, Mixu. I wonder if Mixu just went down the river Tweed in kind of quiet moments of contemplation following defeats after his striker was sent off. I wonder if that's where he went. Are we down the trout? Down the see trout. him fishing <laughs> and then. Just yeah, sees a brown maybe. trout and he just gets but taken the, back to that. Yeah, Damn you, Christoph Pera. Shouting in his waders from the side <laughs> of the river as the, the quiet, peaceful tweed and peebles in the background. And there's this angry fin shouting at a coloured fish. It's all there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it took yeah, a turn, did it not? Yeah, just me. Um, now, there was this... Uh, yeah, it wasn't the best games he said, but Christian Nari opened a scoring 38th minute set up by Andy Driver. Terrible defending um, from Hibbs. And, uh, you know, as cult heroes go, it's hard to decide between Christian Nadi and Eve McAlambe, um, the Hibbs goalkeeper, <laughs> both equally um, popular at times with, with Hearts fans. Christian Nadi is one of those I used to often really dislike as a Hearts player. But in the years gone by, he's actually softened on me as this cult hero. And, um, you know, when you hear interviews with him, he seems a bit, he's quite a down to earth guy. And he, had his challenges as well as a, a mm. person and a footballer. And I can remember at times getting very annoyed at him as a, a player. I thought he was a bit lazy and, you know, he was often quite out of shape and I didn't feel he contributed enough. But in the years that have passed, he's, he's softened to me and these these moments uh, make him a bit of a cult hero as well because he wasn't the years, most of... years change memories, don't they? Yes, they do. By um, the way, Yanis Balog and Goal for Hearts that that game yep uh, would you put if you simply had to put every previous hearts goalkeeper in a yes side of the category or a no side of the category for you Ballock's Ballock's going in the uh, yes one isn't he I mean he's it's not 100% I'm trying to give did he did he do enough to go into the no I, did he do I thought he was okay yes. at first but but by the end I would have been a no um, <laughs> I, I mean, it depends you, you, you compare him to Joel Pereira, and yeah, oh, he certainly would have had him over Pereira. But I would, we've had good goalkeepers. I would, I would tend to lean towards no on that. Okay, but okay. um, 
Yeah, he's, he's we, very meh, isn't he? He's kind of uh, you know, yeah. I thought he was all right at first, but by the end, I was kind of glad to see the back of him. Um, but poor game, and this is another. I I was I was in the away end for this one. Obviously, I wasn't going to the football when uh, Wayne Foster scored, but I I do remember this goal very well. And I, I don't, would you call Gary Glenn's probably still quite fondly remembered for this. You know, he didn't do an awful lot of hearts. He was a good prospect. He was only 18 at the time. This was only his third senior goal. Um, but it was one of those that, you know, Hibs were pushing quite a bit and it just put the seal on it and made it a bit more of an enjoyable game because we didn't just see out that 1-0 when Carapiris slips a lovely ball through. Gary Glenn shows all the composure of a seasoned striker, goes around the goalkeeper and slides it in in front of the Hearts fans. It's always better when you get that goal in front of the away end as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you can celebrate with, with gusto. There, There's one for you. And this is just off the, you know, I'm like with my tangents. And this isn't so much a tangent, but it's, it's a kind of quiz question. Have Hearts ever beaten Hibs before, whereby the two goals have been scored against different goalkeepers? I'm sure oh. they have. Sure they have. Probably, just, but I would have Mac to. Matalambi conceded to Christian Nadi. He was replaced at halftime by Shamatulski, who I think was the former Dundee United goalkeeper. Um, and Gary Glenn scored by him. It just seems pretty rare that you, in an Edinburgh derby, um, you get two goalkeepers who've each yeah. conceded goals. The easiest one would be to try and think back to ones where there's been a red card for a keeper because then they have to obviously bring exactly. someone else on. Um, obviously, if someone gets injured, but it, unless it's a unless it's a significant moment, it's hard to. Yeah, because yeah, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have automatically popped in my head. It's a interesting trivia question. One to ask Davy Allen. He might be able to to help us. I wonder was Eves McAlamby was he actually injured in that? Because he obviously conceded that goal in the first half, and he wasn't did look too smart. He just ran out his goal to Andy Driver and left a completely gaping net when he cut it back. So Eve McAlamby was a big guy, wasn't he? He was like six feet yeah, seven. Yeah, he was massive. He was Chelsea's young so I think He was on loan at Hibs initially, wasn't yeah. he? And then I I wonder how many. Terrible. How many X's in his... Because he used to wear really, really baggy baggy jerseys. And Shaka Hislop did something similar at, at Newcastle. And But but Shaka wasn't a, a, a big, big lad. Eve McAlamby must have had... How many X's did Eve McAlamby have on his jersey when he, when he played against... Uh, when he played for Hibs against Hearts? Just, it just seemed... It's just... I don't know if it's... I don't even know if it's even true. I'd have to look back at pictures. I just have this memory about this big goalkeeper... With a huge, yeah, kind of top that, that he wore. Again, your mind plays tricks on you. Maybe it's utter. No, he did. He did like a big baggy shirt, and he was oh, he, he was huge. He was about six six. So it must have been um, must have been a fairly fairly sizable shirt. Um, See, well, this is what happens when you record towards the end of the week. The tangents that have built up over the course of the yes. last few days. Yeah, so apologies. Indeed. Well, Hibs nil, Hearts 2, uh, 2009. Hearts progressing through to the next round in that one. That's clever play from Gary Glenn. Carapetus. Glenn's going through the middle. That's the ball. It's a perfect pass. Gary Glenn is going to score for the first time in the Edinburgh Derby. And wrap it up for Hearts. Hearts go through. The winner is the road. Joy for Shabalazo. Joy for the Hearts fans. And joy for Gary Glenn. I didn't really want to talk about this last one too much but it's one of these almost not a forgotten derby but it's quite funny because it's the same year 
um, which obviously it doesn't happen often and it doesn't happen too much now. But you know when they played the the first round where the top flight clubs went into the Scottish Cup, it started being earlier. That was the um, first season, wasn't it? Yeah. 2012-2013. So, yeah, so Hearts obviously destroyed Hibs in the biggest derby of all time. And just over six months later, so still in 2012, 2nd of December 2012, they met again. And what, what would you call this? Pat Fenlon's revenge? Um, it's not very good revenge, though, is it? After you've just beat, you've had your no, arse fell in front yeah, of a I mean, nationwide audience. Yeah, you, you, it doesn't it doesn't make up for it. But um, it was a bit of a... A disappointment. A goal with nine minutes to go from well, David Wotherspoon or Azal Yukasun goal, depending on where you see uh, who the final award was to. But eight of the eight of the fourteen players that played, um, if you include the substitutes who who came on, eight of those fourteen made an appearance in the five one cup final. So it was still quite a lot of those players in there. But I guess the key thing is you know there's no Ian Black, no Rudy Scatchel, no Suso Santana. Uh, no sleeves, no Stephen Elliott. And Hearts were on a downward trajectory at that point. Ninth in the table. Hibs were actually second going into that game. So it was one of those that we just try and forget about. It didn't really mean anything, did it? Well, the goal scorer for Hibernian is a World Cup star from from this year. So I think that um, makes it a little bit better, doesn't it? Yeah. No, <laughs> David Wotherspoon, who came on as a late sub for Canada. I saw that. I saw there were St. Johnson were sharing the, the spoony chop. Uh, there were some names. I mean, God, I totally forgot about Ben Williams, the goalkeeper. Maybe he played against us. Gowser played in that one, got a late yellow card. Darren is Barr. That, is that the game that he said he should have been sent off? Mm, not sure. We'd have to ask him. No, remember there was, was the. We, we yeah, there was the Yep, yep. I don't know if it was that one. He just lost the plot, said he was right near the end, and he just lost Oh, the maybe. Head. Yeah. That, and that he smashed, uh, what you, uh, what was his name? Blonde. Uh, I've not got the game up in front of me now. Owen Doyle. No, no, the defender. Put left back or centre back. Uh, Lewis Stevenson. Well, they had Hanlon, Tewo, McGivern. It must or have Ryan McGivern. No, it must have Oh, maybe it was McGivern. Yeah, I think it was McGivern. I'm sure it was him. He he had bleach blonde hair at one point, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he smashed him. Anyway, we won't talk about that one too much, but that was the that was the last time we actually drew them in a game at Easter Road. We've obviously had the replay since. So, uh, lots of Scottish Cup meetings between Hibs and Hearts. And another one to come. Are, are, you, are you excited for it? Yeah, I am. I am, actually. Because we're, we're about to enter the no-excuses territory. Apart from Liam Boyce and Benny Beningamy, we're going to have everybody back. So there are no excuses. We've been beaten in a closed-door game by Swans. Results mean nothing. Okay, we lost 4-0 to Blackburn. I'm just reading Craig Fowler's match report, saying it was a better performance than the results suggest. They were clinical. We weren't. It's still a 4-0 defeat. But it's about making sure we're ready for our first game back after the World Cup. And there are no excuses now. And if we don't finish third or we are eliminated from the Scottish Cup, then it's for me, it won't be good enough. And I don't think there are any excuses allowed based on um, on the players that, that we have available. We should be competing for third. If, look, if Aberdeen go on a stupid run, they've got Rangers and Celtic straight after the World Cup, though. So we've got to capitalise. But from a cup perspective, yeah, I mean, if we if we lose, we'd have taken a, a, a draw now to come back to Towncastle. Probably, 
but that's the least I would take. I'd be confident we can go there and, and get the win and knock them out. You? Yes. Good. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, moving on. We we mentioned this early in the podcast, but we want to talk a little bit more about it. Kai Rolls, Hearts, Hearts superstar defender. Um, very, very apt uh, that we can talk about him just now because he's, yeah, he's not just the talk of the tune, he's the talk of the globe. Um, Opta posted... Uh, just today at the time of recording, Kai Rolls has blocked a tournament-high six shots at the 2022 FIFA World Cup so far. And this weekend, he will face the player with the most shots on target at the tournament, Lionel Messi. Fate. That's what they said. And um, in terms of the numbers, the last couple of games that Kai Rolls has played, we saw some stats posted from the game uh, against Tunisia. Uh, 85% pass accuracy, 45 touches, 10 clearances, most in the game, 4 interceptions, most in the game, 7 duels, 1, 3 aerial duels, 3 tackles, kept a clean sheet of course, and the next game another clean sheet against Denmark, um, 21 out of 28 accurate passes, he won 4 out of 4 duels, 3 block shots, 3 clearances, 3 tackles, so uh, the certainly the Twitter sphere and the watching public very impressed with Kai Rolls, Mark. Just how impressed have you been? Very impressed. He's not done anything that we haven't seen him do at Tynecastle. He's just been solid. He's not a spectacular player, but we, don't, we haven't bought him to be a spectacular player. We've bought him to, to be a solid defender, a reliable defender. And I think, I think he's been outstanding. I, I think he will come back an even better player after the World Cup, from the experiences of playing against France and then getting back-to-back clean sheets. I think his partnership with Harry Souter has been absolutely phenomenal. And it, it, as I said earlier, it's kind of it's like a parental pride that one of our own has, has kind of done so well. And, and just typing his name into Twitter and other social media after games and you see the praise coming from all over the world, if I'm talking earlier about Natty Atkinson and what we would take for him if we could if we could sell him on, what is the figure right now? If I'm putting Laurie Dunsire in charge of Hearts purse strings, which are pretty good right now, there's going to be a number ultimately you're going to accept, and there's going to be a number below which you're not going to accept. So what's the magic number right now? If someone came in with a silly bit, because I want to keep them, at least for now. Very tricky. I mean, what I'll do, let, let me let me get let me get other people to start answering that question because we've got a few tweets about Cairo as well. So we'll see what you think of this. So uh, Alistair Dobby said, love him, but January's transfer window, um, six million and a Sherbert Debdab, but he could go. <laughs> um, uh, Greg McCallum says, it just shows how much we missed him with his first performance back from injury. Ibrox, a very good defender. And well played Savage for finding him. I would say if selling now, five million at least, given length of contract still to run. Mm-hmm. Um Bruce Cormack says, as an aside, 
last winning defenders Hearts had at the World Cup, I think would be Greg Levine and Dave McPherson, 2-1 against Sweden 1990. That's a question from Bruce um, or suggestion. I've not double-checked that. You can do that, Mark. Um, mm -hmm. Kai Rolls has been tremendous. 2-3 to three million easily, probably more. Um, Keith Trail oh, says... Oh, whoa, whoa, rewind. I, honestly, I'd hang the phone up. If someone offered 3 million for Kai Rolls right now, they'd be told to beat it. Yeah. I, I mean, bearing in mind, I mean, I, I know Calvin Ramsey's got a lot of improving he can do. He's still a teenager. But Liverpool paid 4.2 million up front and there's what, another couple of million plus on top of that in add-ons. And that was after one season in the Scottish Premiership for someone who's quite young. Um, Aberdeen McKenna went for 8 million, did he not, to Forrest? It wasn't quite as high as that in the end um it was i think three million that could potentially maybe almost double over time with add-ons so i i i think four or five million would definitely be realistic i can't remember what the exact add-ons are but it was confirmed as a club record fee at the time by aberdeen um so given that kai rolls is performing at what the highest level possible really at the world cup yeah um, i mean obviously things will depend i mean so kai rolls is only 24 which you know, especially for a defender, lots of lots of room for improving over time as well. Um, if he impresses again, and Australia managed to get past Argentina, you know, you just don't know where you've, that things can go. The way some of the results have gone in this World Cup, you just never know what might happen in some of these matches. Um, right now, I would tend not to try and sell him. I think um, no. But, but I'm saying if a silly if a silly offer came in, what is that silly? What would the silly, silly? Offer to be? The silly offer would have to be at least five million. If you're talking silly, you know, given the That's fact fair. he signed a three year yeah, deal fair. in the summer, we've we've gone for another two and a half years. We're in no rush. Um, given I don't want to sell him. I, I think we 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 build with him and Craig Halkett, Stephen Kingsley, and Alex Cochran. I think we. I mean. You you strike while the iron's hot. Understand that, but I'm Natty Atkinson. I would sell right now, unless it's a ridiculous offer. Yeah, I I'm don't. I'm, 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 I'm not convinced him. that Natty Atkinson will. Imp I I feel like this might be his ceiling. Him playing at a World Cup. Agreed. Whether he um, whether he does much of note, I think clubs will no doubt see someone who is at a World Cup. I think that will obviously be on a CV. International appearance at a World Cup. Help the team qualify there. That's not to be sniffed at. I'm just not sure will his stock will be any higher than after playing at a World Cup. Um, you know, I think it's Rose Rose has improved ever since he was at Brisbane Roar. He'd been improved at Central Coast. He's a, he's, a, he's a better player now than he was when he joined Hearts. Yeah. Do you know what I... Earlier this year. One thing I think is telling about the quality of a player is when you stick him at different levels and he doesn't look any different. Doesn't look out of place. You know, exactly. Um, okay, we'll take the Livingston moment out. Getting that red card wasn't his best moment. But you see, when he's played lesser teams, should we say, in the Scottish Premiership, he's looked comfortable. Went to Ibrox, he's a game right at the back. He just yeah. strolled through that, didn't look any different. And he goes to the World Cup, and he's playing against you know experienced international players. Doesn't look any different. You could seem, feels like you could chuck him in at any sort of level, any game, and he would just do his job. And that is, you know, 
a bigger club, that's always their concern, isn't it? If, if you're talking an English Premier League club or another, you know, Spanish, Italian, whatever it might be, if they're looking at a player in Scotland, their concern will be, right, okay, you look good in the Scottish Premiership, but what's going to happen when we chuck you in against higher level players? That'll always be, I guess, that'll be their fallback if they're going, look, the reason we're not paying you more is because, well, we don't know if he can do it against a better player. We're taking a risk. If I you want know to see, he I want to that. see more of Kai Rolls playing for Hearts before yeah, I, was, absolutely. I was spending big money on him. But these days, I'm saying big money for us. That's nothing. I mean, for a club down south, say a, say a, a mid-table Premier League club in England, I've got no doubt if he keeps impressing and keeps improving that Kai Rolls could be a starting defender in the English Premier League. Now, it's the way that football works. English Premier League clubs don't go to Central Coast Mariners and buy a player who's 23 years old. He turned 24 in the summer. No. That he's going to start. So it's a career path, right? Australia to Hawks. Look at Andy Robertson, okay? Queen's Park, Dundee United, Hull City, Liverpool. Right? You're not going to go from Queen's Park to Hull. You're not going to go from Dundee United to Liverpool. There's steps in between. But that's why you have sell-on clauses and, and incentives and all sorts. It might be a, a basic bid of, say, $3 million and you'd kind of laugh at it, but then you find out, hold on, here's, here's what it could be. It could get to $10 million if it Then you're interested. So it's like Hearts, and listen to, to Robbie Nielsen, Hearts have certain markets that they shop in. Hearts can't go down to the English Championship and shop in that market, right? That's like having enough money to do a weekly shop in Aldi, but then going to Harrods and thinking you're you're going to get the same value for money. You're, you're not. So for Kai Rolls, he's, he's someone who I, I think, I, for me, it would be worth a club in the English top flight. It's not even a risk because... Five million to them is nothing. That's cheap at half the price. That I think they'd be seeing him as a potential project, high rolls. But I don't want him to leave. That's what I'm saying. Unless it's a stupid amount, I don't want him to leave. Nope. So uh, let's hope we'll we'll see see him for at least the rest of the season, and um, he'll be raking in the pounds for Hearts in the near future. Okay, next up, um, before we go for this week's episode... What's that in the background? You, you might well ask what that is in the background. Well, I can tell you um, that I believe it is an Uber driver in the Costa del Sol listening what? to the end of Uruguay against Ghana. And our guest oh. who's about to join us, Craig Fowler, can confirm that. Hola, come <laughs> I'm glad you added the Craig Fowler bit on the end. No, we're just phoning a random Uber driver in Spain. Yes, we're getting we're getting a report from an Uber driver in the Costa del Sol <laughs> on how hearts are doing in yes. the current training camp. Um, how are you doing, Craig? I'm, I'm fantastic, Laurie. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it's brilliant being out here. The sun's shining. Uh, I get paid uh. to cover hearts in the south of Spain and get drunk every night. It's tremendous. Oh, right, so ne- ne- never, never mind the pump- and, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and never mind the pumping by Blackburn. Did you ask the gaffer about Doctor Funk? 
<laughs> I did it. We are talking to Robbie again on Sunday. So, and uh, it's, it's, it's a print journalist. We're kind of waiting until then to, to kind of ask him about the, the rumours of Dr. Funk. And uh, I think there's another player as well who we've been linked with uh, that will be asked. But there's um, the, oh, today just kind of getting. Oh, 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 rewind. Who's that? To the match. Um, I'm not sure actually. There was, uh, it was something my boss asked me to, to inquire. So it was somebody I didn't. Somebody from Melbourne City or something. I'm not too sure. I'll, I'll have to look oh, up again. Oh God! Now you're going to make us. Robbie, uh, what's this about you being linked with another player? Yeah, who? Which player? Well, um, I don't know. But is it true? <laughs> well, I'll know the name by Sunday. You've caught me off guard with this one. Well, of course. That's why. <laughs> We'll give you the, on the pretense that we're talking about Blackburn and then chuck the grenade in nice and early. Uh, let's hope it's Marcus Tilio. Why not? Um, <laughs> hey, I feel like I'm being here. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Just because I'm in the South of Spain, guys, then you have to treat me like this. this is, it's, it's, J- it's Jamie McLaren. Sensational uh, return to Edinburgh for Jamie Clar- McLaren to the other side. Um, Take him in a heartbeat. Uh, indeed. Anyway... Uh, Craig, uh, at the time of recording this, uh, Hearts have just been absolutely pumped by Blackburn Rovers. Uh, tell us about the game. We've we've seen nothing but the scoreline. So the, I would say the scoreline was not a fair reflection of the game. And yeah, you don't want to get beat 4-0. But Blackburn Rovers are third in the championship. They're also a week ahead of us in terms of their, their fitness. Because they're back next weekend. Uh, whereas Hearts have got a wee bit further to go. And if Hearts were going to play Blackburn full strength both sides you'd expect Hearts to, to lose anyway that's just the kind of reality of you know how much money is, is, is down south in the, in the second tier so when you take all those factors into account and the fact that they did play that badly missed some, some good chances the first two Blackburn goals were excellent the second one in particular the striker just picks the ball out the air across to Ryan Hedges the former Aberdeen winger and he just absolutely leathers it. First time on the volley. Santa Clark had no chance. And that put Hearts are 2-0 goal. They should have, in my opinion, made it 2-1. Alan Forrest, uh, after after a very good run by um, Connor Smith, set him up. Forrest took a touch shot off the underside of the bar. To me, to everybody, looked a mile over the line. Wasn't given. Blackburn were right down the other end to make it 3-0. So, 4-0, not great. But the performance wasn't bad, I would say. Uh, Xander Clark got a star, Connor Smith in there as well. Um, do we expect to see the likes of Clark and Smith getting some more game time, some more starts possibly in the coming weeks when competitive football returns? Um, Xander Clark, I would doubt it to be fair. Um, can't give too much away because we spoke to him for tomorrow's papers, but so basically just kind of asking him about the fact that he's at heart, he's behind Craig Gordon, who is not only one of the best goalkeepers in, well, probably maybe the best goalkeeper in the country, even though history. I think he's maybe, yeah, in the history of, <laughs> in the history of countries. Um, but not only that, Craig Gordon wants to play every single game. And so yeah. that puts Clark at a bit of a disadvantage. He's not somebody that's, that's happy being kind of rotated in and out. So whether we're going to see him a bit more, especially now that it's going to be weekend to weekend and not, you know, Thursday to Sunday, I, I'm doubtful. As for Connor Smith, I mean, I think we saw him starting to get the kind of opportunities towards the the last few games before the shutdown. With more players expected to return from injury. So he did play today, but there was a few 
there was a few players that went kind of rest. Um, a couple of guys, nothing, nothing major, just a couple of kind of wee kind of flare ups and stuff. So I think that was why he was playing today. But you kind of look at the, and as Robbie said the other day, that parts of them have got a squad that's now pretty big for a Scottish Premiership team. I mean, I think fans early in the season wanted it to be a bit bigger for the rigors of Europe. But this is probably something they had an eye on as well that they didn't want to, you know, Europe to be done. And then to just have this overly bloated squad. So there's a lot of players that can play in positions that Connor Smith plays. So for those Connor Smith fans out there, you're probably not going to see him too much more than the odd kind of cameo off the bench, I would think. Uh, Stephen Kingsley played in this game. He's had a hamstring injury recently. Um, what feedback can you give us from the camp over in Lakala in terms of players who've been out or not fully fit or are still out injured? Any progress updates from Robbie Nielsen? Um, there was. He didn't say much other than the fact that a few of them were still kind of nursing some things. Um, and the. Andy Halliday, for instance, is still kind of nursing a, a problem with his Achilles, which means that I'm not sure if he might be able to play. But Robbie did say that he still fancies all of them to, to get some minutes on Sunday. Um, Halkett, I was told before the game, had a little, it felt a little something. Thankfully, nothing to do with his hamstring. Nothing to do with his hamstring before anybody freaks out. <laughs> okay. uh, but that was why he was out. He's, ex- he's expected to be back in the fold. Ginelli was on the bench, but did come on. Mackay. Was it in the squad? I've heard that the pair of them have had um, had an illness that's kind of um, restricted their ability to play and, and you know kind of not competitive matches. But you know what I mean, not like training ground scrimmages. Um, so, but again, Robbie reckons they're going to be back for for Sunday as well. So I think you'll see probably a, a more of a, a full strength side against Al- Almira when that match comes around. Yep, another game for Hearts against Almeria to come. What's the feeling in the camp before we let you go overall? Because it's been a pretty tough first almost half of a season for Hearts. It felt like they needed this break. Do you get the feeling that it is a case of, you know, we're still we're still in there, we're in the mix, we're not too far behind the likes of Aberdeen in third place. Chance to reset and really, really go again when football returns. I've yet to go up to the, the training camp uh, myself. I'm hoping to do that uh, next week. Um, but for, for kind of, I've sat beside a few of the players today from, from the way Robbie was after the game. The way everybody was, really. I think they're all pretty pretty relaxed about the situation. We're in four points away from Aberdeen. Is it ideal? No, it's not. But considering that all the teams had to go through, I've said it for weeks now. I still think Hearts are the third best team in the country. And I think mm-hmm. they're still to be... I know they're not to be knocked off in third because they're not third at the moment, but they're still the team that have to really be beaten between now and the end of the season. And I think the players believe that as well because why wouldn't they? You know, they've done it last season. The squad's definitely better um, overall. Maybe the starting 11's a bit weaker with, you know, Suter not there, Sims not there, Boyce out injured, Beningame out injured. But in terms of the depth and in terms of the changes they can make during, during matches, uh, I still, and just kind of a lot of the performances as well, like especially at Tynecastle against sides that aren't Celtic or Rangers, basically. <laughs> and even the Celtic game, they were very good in that. So there's a lot I still think to be positive about this heart side, and I wouldn't be getting overly worried. And especially if they could bring in one or two players in January, especially somebody 
to, to play up front and maybe somebody to play on the right as well and, uh, and to go full circle. We know somebody who can do both of those things. I, I was just going to say that you read my mind. Um, well, well, hopefully you get some. Maybe you'll get some more news, and we'll keep an eye on on social media and the evening news as well with a, any updates that you might be posting. But I guess we'll let you go and continue your Uber journey, and and assume you're just going out on on completely work based tasks and and no no leisure time at all for you over there. Hmm? Um, no, I'll be getting pushed quite a lot. <laughs> I know, and I will do tonight as well. <laughs> Fair play. That's 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 exactly what you should do. Enjoy the holiday. I'm not jealous at all sitting here in my entirely dark room uh, with the heating on back in Scotland. But, um, uh, thank you for joining us, Craig. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, before we go, one thing to very quickly mention, um, Monday Night Live is back a week on Monday. So Monday the 12th of December, uh, Scarves Around the Funnel and This Is My Story, represented at Tynecastle Park. So it'll be myself and uh, Liam Corbett of This Is My Story podcast. We'll be hosting another charity night. So this is Big Hearts, um, a Big Hearts event, all the money going to very worthy causes. So 6.30pm, 12th of December, it'll be myself, Liam and guests chatting about hearts. So we'll have a bit of fun. We'll get a bit of interaction with the audience. Hopefully get some questions for our guests, which are to be confirmed. And it's a £10 ticket, goes to charity, and you also get a drink and a pie with that. What more could you want? couple of weeks before Christmas. So uh, mm -hmm. get on social media to get more info on that or at Big Hearts uh, on Twitter or their website as well, um, bighearts.org.uk. So if you can come along, please do so. It should be a fun night and there'll be more details released on the different Twitter feeds in the coming week or so. Uh, good to hear from Craig Fowler. Uh, I wonder if his taxi driver was um, satisfied uh, with the result to know Uruguay against Ghana. A bit bizarre, but very kind of him to join us. Yeah, well, that knocked both of them out. Ghana needed a point. Uruguay needed help from elsewhere, but South Korea scoring late on. It's just been great drama. And, and for FIFA, I know in 2026, they initially thought of 48 teams, 16 groups of three. Come on. The last day drama in the group stage is, is phenomenal. And if it involves Scotland in, in four years' time, great. But, yeah, super way to end. Um, while Greg was talking, I was looking at the first-team squad in Melbourne. <laughs> I thought that's what you might be doing. <laughs> which players. You went awful quiet. I thought you were yeah. doing. Uh, as far as wrapping up everything and putting a bow on it, did we not do a podcast that claimed that Dave McPherson was a Rangers player by the time he played for Scotland alongside Craig Levine uh, he, in that game against Sweden. I think um, he might be right. Yeah, but I mean, he was a Hearts player going into the tournament, I believe, and then a Rangers player coming out or something like that. But Levine McPherson in that one. Yeah, and I never thought an hour and a bit ago we'd be being talked about, uh, we'd be speaking about being ambushed by a brown trout. Both of... Uh, both have ended up. Craig Fowler was ambushed and Mixu's brown trout. So 
I'm I'm intrigued as to what the title of this episode is is going to be, and even more intrigued by our closing song. Mm. Yes. Um. Uh, by the time you're listening, you the song will be prepped and ready to get added in. But right now, Some, I have something no by Fish Derek Dick. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Craig for briefly joining us from an Uber. We did just throw that one to him just before, so it was very, as you could probably tell. It was very off the cuff. Um, but good to hear from the camp. It's good to heart sir, get some players back. Not an ideal result against Blackburn Rovers. However, we can't read into these results too much. Uh, we will be back next week. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can get us on Twitter at Around the Funnel. But until then, thanks for tuning in. Yes,